Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. My guest today is Chef Vishwesh Bhatt. He's a James Beard Award winner. His restaurant is called Snack Bar and it's based in Oxford, Mississippi. Chef Bhatt was born in Gujarat, India, and he moved to the U.S. when he was 18, cooking with Chef John Currents at his restaurant City Grocery, but ultimately branching out into his own restaurant, Snack Bar, where he incorporates his Indian heritage into traditional Southern food. His new cookbook, which I have right here, is called I Am From Here, and it is an amazing celebration of Bot's journey, both as a person and as a chef. These recipes, I have to tell you, look incredible. There's peanut masala stuffed eggplant, tandoori spiced baked catfish, and the most incredible cornbread that I've ever seen. It has jalapenos, serranos, curry leaves, mustard seeds, and coconut. I'm calling today's episode Cooking Who You Are. So without further ado, here is my interview with V. All right, Chef. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on my podcast. Congratulations on your new book. It is really, truly one of my favorite books that came out this year. Um, how does it feel to have it out in the world? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a process. And, you know, I thought we'll never get to this point. So, you know, to hold that first copy in my hand and, and you know, smell that um, new book smell. It was, yeah. it was pretty special. How long did it take you to write it? I mean, all in all, it was about a three-year process, just, you know, mm-hmm. from start to finish. Um, maybe, you know, add a couple of years of, of thinking about it first. So Yeah. Well, it uh, also feels like a lifetime of, of, of your experiences are packed into this book. So as, as much they, as it may have are. taken, you know, three years, yeah. it's your whole life in a way, too. Yeah, And that's why, I mean, that's why I wanted to write it and, and uh, you know, tell my stories. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, hopefully people find them interesting. Yeah, well, I certainly do. So for those who don't know, maybe you can tell us about, you know, your journey. I mean, growing up in India and then coming to Mississippi, uh, mm-hmm. cause that's really informs the book. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, I, I finished, uh, high school in India and then, uh, from there moved to, uh, Strasbourg, France for a year. My, my father uh, is retired now, but was a physicist and uh, he was doing some research there, so uh, we moved with him, and from okay. there to Austin, Texas, and then from uh, Austin, Texas to Lexington, Kentucky, and Lexington, Kentucky to uh, you know to Oxford, Mississippi, with with a couple of stops, uh, small short stops in Miami and and Denver. Wow! So you were all over. And how old were you during that period of your life? Well, I mean, it, this is this spans uh, from you know when I was. Uh, about 18, uh, just, just finished high school, um, to, you know, but when I was, when I, when I came to Oxford, I was, uh, 26. So, you know, okay. and, and from the beginning with, I mean, you write about this in the book, but was food always a huge part of your life or did it become a part of your life? Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, you know, cooking food for a living, that's relatively recent. Uh, but uh, food always growing up was, you know, the central uh, part of, of our family uh, in our family gatherings. Um, and I love to eat. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was always. <laughs> uh, and, and I, you know, I was one of those really fortunate people that, you know, grew up in a family where, where uh, everybody appreciated good food and, and uh, you know, enjoyed uh, nice meals or, or even if it was not a big meal just everybody that you know that we all enjoyed uh, 
even the simple ingredients. Yeah, just mm-hmm. uh, we, we, you know, uh, just not just the food, but also you know, uh, the, the the part of um, getting together as a family in a community. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that that informed a lot of my childhood, and so I still like to cook for for a crowd, mm-hmm. which is why you'll find rec- recipes are all sort of made for you know six or eight. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned community and family because what I love so much about this book is the way that it it is about moving to the South and then absorbing that as your as your new community and right. almost your identity. I mean, the, the title mm-hmm. of the book is I Am From Here. And mm-hmm. so um, and, and it really comes through in these recipes where you're using Southern ingredients. I mean, peanuts figure really prominently mm-hmm. in the book um, mm-hmm. and okra, which I know has its own history. But um, but a lot of ingredients that we associate with the South, you're sort of mixing them together with the Southern traditions and your Indian background. And, and so mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how you were first introduced to Southern cuisine and then how you began mm-hmm. integrating your own cuisine into that? Sure. So, I mean, uh, a lot of these ingredients, and, and then they were very carefully chosen when we, we when I started writing the book. And uh, you know, uh, David Black was uh, my agent, and, and Norton, you know, kind of got together, uh, and they said, "Yes, we'll, we'll uh, you know, take on this project." Uh, from the very beginning, the idea was to highlight ingredients that I had grown up with in India, but were also very much a part of uh, sort of the southern larder and pantry. Uh, mm-hmm. To you know, emphasize that, that there are connections, right? Mm-hmm. That this world is is a, is a small place, and we're all connected. Uh, so that's where we started. And so some of the ingredients were really obvious: okra being one, uh, peas and beans, rice. I mean, rice is universal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe Antarctica is the only place where people there's no rice. But other than that, I think it's everywhere. Um, and it's and you know, it's it's a huge part of. Uh, the story of human civilization, you know, of how we became agrarian and started growing things. And, you know, so that was important to, to talk about it. You know, I mean, and again, uh, you know, 10 recipes and, and a, you know, one page had no don't do justice to rice, but at least I wanted to point out that uh, it is a, you know, a very important ingredient to, to everybody. And especially for me growing up and in the South, um, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we started with, and then uh, once once I got the ingredient or the list of um, things I wanted to use uh, to highlight, uh, then the recipe process was uh, I wanted some recipes that were very Indianish, mm-hmm. um, and then transition into uh, something that was more you know quote unquote uh, traditional Southern. Um, and so that, you know, after, you know, so once I decided that, uh, you know, I started writing recipes or, or you know, uh, going through recipes I had uh, or ideas I had or things that I've had eaten that had made an impact or, you know, were memorable. And so and I would jot those down and then work up a recipe and and then try to arrange them in, in the order that, you know, made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, and did you, when you arrived in Oxford, Mississippi, I mean, I know, I know some of the stories in the book, but mm-hmm. did you find an Indian culture there? I mean, were there Indian restaurants at all? Was, were, no, were, no, there, there weren't. And there's, uh, even now there is only one. Uh, mm-hmm. So in Oxford is a very small town, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I here, it's a small town of about 
30,000, maybe, maybe 35,000. And that included about 15,000 students. Mm -hmm. Uh, now it's slightly bigger with the County. I think we're about 50,000, but still, uh, you know, it's, it's, this actual town of Oxford, it's still pretty small. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, there, there weren't any Indian, uh, uh, I mean, there were some Indian folks that, uh, because of the university that, you know, that taught here and there were a couple of Indian doctors because of the hospital, um, and, uh, you know, a couple of folks who, who ran, uh, uh, motels. So, mm -hmm. you know, there were maybe, maybe eight or 10 families. Um, and I didn't really have a whole lot, uh, of interaction with them. Uh, my mm -hmm. parents did, but I, I didn't really, um, but, you know, other than meeting them, you know, at their house for, for a dinner for Diwali mm -hmm. or something like that, um. But Oxford did have, you know, because of the university, a community that, you know, was fairly well-traveled and mm -hmm. had, you know, people that come from lots of different places. So a very small town, uh, yet it had, uh, you know, some, some built-in diversity because of the university. And did you have trouble finding or did your parents have trouble finding ingredients that they wanted to cook with there in terms of like curry leaves or some of the things that I see in the book? Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, certainly. I mean, you know, but the thing is, you know, my parents had lived in the U.S. in the 50s. Uh, mm -hmm. They lived in, in, in 60s. They lived in Chicago and they lived in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So they had, you know, been through that uh, sort of, you know, not having uh faltering ingredients that you know you're used to at your fingertips and so my mother was very adept at uh using what was available and and uh you know making it taste good so and what what yeah. what dishes in uh in mississippi were you drawn to when you first got there i mean where was there a restaurant or a certain kind of cooking or dish that you loved right away uh yeah so the, you know summer dishes uh first you know i mean that just sort of that bounty of the summer where you know and this notion that uh, a lot of people have gardens and then they have a lot of stuff and then they will come you know with a little basket or you know a brown paper bag with hey mm -hmm. i got some extra cucumbers here's some tomatoes or mm -hmm. you know that uh is, is you know a really special thing that happens uh, around you know small towns in the south um but also you know dishes like stewed okra and tomatoes uh um butter beans you know just that, that that the concept of meat and three mm -hmm. uh i was immediately drawn to because i can draw a, a direct parallel to a, a tali that i grew up eating mm -hmm. to that concept it's like hey you know here's here a few things all together and of course when you go to a diner you know on the table there's usually some hot sauce or some you know um the pickled peppers and stuff like that which again to me translate to condiments uh on the table that you know like like chutney or pickle or something like that so mm -hmm. um it made a lot of sense yeah and also i mean i think of the south as being like known for its hospitality and mm -hmm. in a way the way you described growing up you know surrounded by food and family and this sense yeah. of I'm sure there was a lot of hospitality in terms of the home that you had so it does make, right. it make a lot of sense but did you know when you got to Oxford that you would be there for the rest of your life no no I came here with uh the intent of leaving after one semester mm -hmm. uh, and you know because I uh you know I mean several things one because um my parents were here because uh, at the university here and so I didn't want to be 
in the same town as them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, I've, I've already done that. And <laughs> I want to go somewhere else. Secondly, you know, this notion that it's Mississippi. I don't want to be in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And Mississippi Burning had just come out uh, before I moved here. And so, you know, I mean, I knew the history, but then seeing it on screen and of course, everybody's talking about it and then drive, making the drive from, from Lexington to Oxford through, you know, once you leave Jackson, Tennessee, it's all single lane country roads and, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be here. You know, this is, yeah, then, yeah, totally. of course, and then, you know, then Oxford pops up in the middle of the hills, you know, this pretty little town uh, had a, you know, has a really, really sort of world-class uh, bookstore and, uh, you know, a nice, beautiful university campus. And, you know, uh, but yeah, I can, I can make it, you know, here for a semester and then it, that semester turned into two and 30 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad you brought up Mississippi burning because that was something I was wondering about because we have two notions of the South, I think in the media, right. oh, it kind of froze. Oh, there you are. Um, you know, we have the romantic version of it where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gushy welcoming Southern bell and like, you mm-hmm. know, but then we obviously have the horrors of the past. And, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm curious, like in arriving there and in your time there, I mean, did you have to confront a lot of prejudice or did you feel welcomed right away? No, I, I felt welcome right away. Uh, that is not to say there isn't prejudice. I mean, it, it is here. Uh, I, I still, you know, occasionally somebody will say something like, why don't you go back where you came from? Uh, really? You know, uh, it, it is, it is, uh, you know, and especially, uh, you know, because of our recent uh, political bent, uh, the way the country is going, a lot of people have become more emboldened uh, and they'll say things like that because, yeah. you know, they think they, they can say it, and, you know, nobody will do anything about it. Um, and so that, that unfortunate part is still here, you know, uh, but I mean, you know, whether it's the South or, or America or India, where you know, we have very similar sort of, you know, uh, class distinctions and, and, and uh, problems, uh, social problems that, you know, stem from, from years of uh, the caste system or, or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. um, everything is not always black and white, right? So, yes, I mean, you, you cannot uh, ignore... Uh, you know the the racism of of the system Mm -hmm. Uh, but then at the same time you cannot ignore uh, the people who have you know who are doing everything they can to change that right right? and and they are everywhere here you know Mm -hmm. Um, so and and unfortunately you know that does not get the attention it, it should right because we're always sort of the narrative is always Oh, look at those, you know, terrible people bounce out. Right. And, and what that does is, is it makes the job of, of people who are trying to make a change and trying to make things better very, very difficult because they can't, uh, they don't have any support uh, mm-hmm. like they should. Well, it's interesting you bring up the caste system because I've been reading that book, Cast. I'm not sure if you read it. Um, not yet. Oh, yeah. But it's literally about that. It's about comparing mm-hmm. the caste system in India um, mm-hmm. to race in America and how mm-hmm. it's, how she argues it's less about racism and more about caste. Um, yeah. And and so it's really interesting. But yeah. to turn it back to food for a second, I guess yeah. a natural transition would be, what was it like to take the leap of starting to mix your Indian background in with Southern ingredients in terms of how it was received in the community? Was it immediately yeah. embraced or were people confused by mm-hmm. it? 
I mean, there was some some confusion. Uh, also, I mean, not just on, on people's part, on my part as well. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, does this really work or does it does it not work? But I mean, the idea was, uh, you know, at, at some point, you know, it, it dawned on me that uh, my background uh, and and you know what I what I bring uh, in terms of knowledge of, of you know. Uh, of, of seasoning things that I had learned growing up in India uh, is important, and I want to share it. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I also knew, you know, that some dishes I personally preferred that they tasted a certain way. I like certain spices and certain things. You know, for example, I like black pepper and cumin with my potatoes. And so, like, why not do that? Let's see what happens when we do mm-hmm. that. If if people, you know, I think that's a great combination. If see if other folks like it. Uh, and for the most part, uh, you know, those little tweaks like that uh, were very well received. And uh, and then, you know, it just from from there, it, it uh, sort of just organically took its own uh, uh, form and, and, you know, evolved into this food that I do. That's my food. And, you know, it's it's, you know, I, I think of the food I cook as, as part of telling a story and, and, and this mm-hmm. is, it is my story. And so, you know, my influences come through and I, I uh, sort of enjoy doing that. And I think the people that come in to eat uh, seem to enjoy it as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to come there and eat your food. But Please. in the meantime, I'll be cooking it. Um, but I know that in the, the book, you talk a bit about <clears throat> Chef John Currents and mm-hmm. uh, working with him and, and eating at his restaurant. Uh, talking, right. I think in his introduction, he talked about you eating at his restaurant and sort of mm-hmm. metho- methodically studying the food and learning about mm-hmm. it. Can you talk a little, little bit about that? Yeah. And I mean, you know, yes. Uh, so, I mean, that came from, you know, a part of it came from uh, way, uh, way I grew up eating, right? I mean, we, we, when you know, when we went to the market or I came home and things were cooked or whatever, uh, talk of, of things being seasonal or how they were grown and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, respecting the ingredient, uh, even if it's just a green bean, like you, you respect it because, you know, somebody went through the trouble of growing it and now you're going to eat it and, and somebody spent time cooking it. Uh, mm-hmm. So that pro- respecting that process was always uh, a part of how I was brought up. And so that's how I learned to eat, you know, I, I respect um, the work that goes into preparing dishes. Um, well, I mean, part of it, because I'd seen my mother, you know, work all day to, to make food, to feed, you know, a crowd every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is because I enjoyed the ingredients. Uh, so when I would eat at city grocery, uh, I, you know, I was getting a lot of new flavors, you know, John was cooking sort of that, you know, uh, New Orleans Creole influenced food, uh, with ingredients that looked very familiar to me, uh-huh. but right. Uh, so, and yet they tasted so different. And so, you know, it would be sort of, you know, I would, I would try to figure out, um, you know, what, what it was that made that dish, what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and, try, you know, so. and do you remember a specific dish that you ate there? That was a game changer for you or like uh, discovering something <laughs> that uh, lit a, lit a fusing you at all? <laughs> Uh, uh, I, you know, there, there are a couple of, uh, couple of dishes. I think one, uh, is, uh, uh, seafood, uh, which is like, you know, New Orleans, uh, version of, of the 
you know, so that New Orleans bouillon is, is more of a, a stew with the Roubaix sauce uh, mm-hmm. and has lots of tomatoes and chilies and, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a really flavorful uh, and, you know, has this richness to it uh, without being overly heavy. And so that, you know, the flavors in that. Uh, and then the other dish uh, made me you sort of, you know, stop and realize uh, just the, you know, the real, you know, say how closely we're connected is, is the country captain, which is um, a dish that is from uh, the low country, you know, between Savannah and Charleston. Uh, and it is a, essentially a stew or, you know, if you want to call it a curry that got picked up somewhere in, you know, South Central India and plopped uh, in the American South without any change. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's thought of as, you know, fish. and that made me, you know, really sort of like, ah, there, there, there are connections that we're not talking about mm-hmm. and that we should talk about. Yeah. And so when you started working, you were working, I think at one of his restaurants, is that how you started? Uh, my first restaurant job was not at his restaurant, but I knew that I wanted to work at city grocery because I knew that that was a special restaurant and what was happening there uh was was game changing as far as what you know food scene in mississippi and, and the food scene in the south you know john mm-hmm. had come um you know uh, had worked for bill neal uh you know who was sort of this uh you know great southern chef that that left us very early um you know he's the one that that put you know one of the very first people to put uh southern ingredients that people thought of as not good enough to be uh, in, on, in a restaurant menu, on his menu, you know, mm. things like shrimp and grits and, you know, um, doing priads and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just making an argument that, that food of the American South is, is really good mm-hmm. uh, and that it, it should be celebrated. So, he, so John brought with him that ethos uh, that he had learned with Bill Neal, but then he had also lived, you know, and growing up in New Orleans and worked at, you know, the great New Orleans restaurants like, you know, Brennan's and, and Mr. B's and, and Gautreaux's. And so they were these amazing flavors uh, that were, you know, not anything like the flavors I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. And yet some of the ingredients were the same. I mean, they were, you know, there was things like cumin and chilies and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the, the ratios were different. And so it really fascinated me. Um, and so I wanted to learn that, mm-hmm. and, you know, so that's, and, you know, that's why I wanted to be in that kitchen. And when you were in that kitchen, like actually physically there and like working mm-hmm. in, you know, cause you, did you know you wanted to be a chef when you first got to Oxford or was no, that? I did not. No, it, it, I didn't know I wanted to be a chef until, uh, I was almost 30 years, you know, 31 years old. And when you started working as a chef, I mean, did you immediately take, I mean, I just watched the bear. So I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> now I'm pretty, I've not, not watched it yet. So. Oh, it might be traumatizing for you. I don't know. That's okay. Right. It looks very uh, stressful, but did you immediately take to kitchen culture? Did you like being in a restaurant kitchen? I did. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, and again, you know, people talk about kitchen culture and, you know, I don't think it's a uniform thing. I know we mm-hmm. like all like to talk about it. Uh, here, you know, I mean, just because, you know, and it might be a more uniform thing in, in cities where you have professional cooks, right? Uh, in Oxford, uh, we're a college town. So most of our people who work in restaurants are, are students 
uh, you know, who are working part-time jobs. So they're not, for them, this is either, a, you know, something they really enjoy doing mm-hmm. or it is a sort of a part-time job and then they're going to go become an accountant or whatever it is, right? right. And so there's a different uh, sort of uh, attitude mm-hmm. in the kitchen, if you will, versus a kitchen uh, where everybody that's working the line is, is a professional cook. Right. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, yeah. So, I mean, so here it was, you know, we would, we would cook together and, you know, while we were working, uh, I was fortunate to work with, with a couple of folks that, you know, have gone on to become very successful professional chefs. You know, uh, Tim Hans is my friend in, in Birmingham being one of mm-hmm. them. And, you know, um, so I, you know, I was surrounded by folks uh, who were young and, engaged and you know wanted to you know wanted to be there mm-hmm. uh and that showed you know it sort of rubbed off on, on folks like me who are just trying to figure it out mm-hmm. well i'm curious about the approach that you learned about southern cooking versus the approach that you knew about indian cooking just in terms of like you know you start out in the kitchen you know like i think mm-hmm. about like infusing an oil like um i'm looking at the cornbread mm-hmm. recipe where like you right. you know fry curry leaves and add it later mm-hmm. to the cornbread mm-hmm. um but you know in southern cooking i feel like the techniques might be a little different so mm-hmm. where, where, yes. what were the what were the techniques that you remember learning in that kitchen that were new to you I mean, almost everything, which is why, you know, but uh, three years in when I you know, sort of started getting the hang of it and decided that this is what I wanted to do, I went to cooking school. Uh, and it, it wasn't necessarily to learn any more cooking, but it was to learn sort of the, the fundamentals of, of Western style cooking, because I didn't really have that training. And I could have, of course, sat in the kitchen and learned it, but I thought if I go to a cooking school, I would, you know, maybe uh, learn more than I did. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in, in the end, uh, you know, I could have spend that year maybe doing something um like you know going working for somebody else to learn something you know uh and that's what i now uh, i recommend you know when, when young people come to me and they want to go to cooking school i was like yeah you you will learn stuff mm-hmm. uh but i don't i don't think that's the only approach i think you know that the old school style of doing uh an apprenticeship i think is, is a great way of learning as well so i tell people to you know find find somebody whose food they really like and enjoy and go try to work with them for six months and, and mm-hmm. see if that's what you want to do. But you know, I mean, that's, a, that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> Wait, did you go to um, cooking school in the South? I did. I, I, I went to cooking school in Miami. So I looked, basically looked okay. at the map uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and then it narrowed it down to two CIA and, uh, and John Smith Wales, you know, because just from, you know, reading and people telling like those are, you know, the, the two, bigger cooking schools uh, and then saw where the campuses were so providence too far north uh for Bet johnson and wales hyde park too far north too much snow i'm not going there <laughs> right. uh, uh and so then it came down to like where can i go where what what's warmer and then johnson and wales had a campus in miami so i was like done i'm going there <laughs> oh, that's really funny i don't yeah. it's funny because my family lives in florida but i have a jewish family that lives in boca yeah. raton florida and oh, yeah. I don't think of, of Florida as the South at all, but it's probably because everyone that I grew up with was like a New Yorker transplanted right. there. Um, yeah, but it, and, and but Miami was, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the geographic South. Right? I mean, Miami, you know, Miami's, I don't know, probably you know, more, more Tel Aviv and, and Buenos Aires now than, you know, anything <laughs> yeah. else. But And Cuba, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Um, so, well, that's so when you got back, so when you finished school in Miami, 
Did you immediately go back to Oxford, Mississippi? No. I, so I stuck around in Miami for another six months, just kind of okay. working in different places for, you know, different folks and just kind of, you know, get some reps um, under under my belt, if you will, just to uh, see some different things. You know, of course, Miami, that's when, you know, Norman Van Aken was, was doing all yeah. this beautiful, you know, the, the Floribian food and Alan Susser and Johnny Vincenzo and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the Puerto Rican chef whose name you completely forgot right now, uh, who was, you know, just really big back then. And so I wanted to stick around and, and see some of that stuff. Uh, also the ingredients, you know, Miami was very tropical. So, you know, things like curry leaves and mangoes and uh, were re- really readily available. Yeah. Right? And, and folks and folks were using them. So it was kind of fun to hang around there for a little bit. Um, but I knew that I couldn't afford to live in Miami, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or at least afford to live the way uh, one would like to live in my <laughs> right yeah just throwing <laughs> so dollar was, bills around yeah yeah so, so there was time to time to move on and so from there i went to denver and uh, uh and then i went to denver because i had gone to denver to do my externship at the brown palace hotel okay. uh and i got a job there uh you know working in the hotel kitchen as as sort of like let's see how this feels if i you know uh, as a learning experience and well, i quickly realized that you know it, it takes a very special kind of a person to to work in a hotel kitchen to have that sort of uh, you know regimental discipline, which I didn't have. So mm-hmm. I knew I need you know I needed to be in a in a freestanding restaurant, and so then I came back. And when you came back, I mean that that was a choice, right? Because at that point oh, yeah. you, you traveled all over, but you were drawn mm-hmm. back to Oxford. Yes. So did you I fall, was. How, had you fallen in love with it at that point? I mean, were you ready um, to live there? Uh, yeah, I was, because I knew, I mean, it was a, you know, I still had some friends here. Um, also, you know, city grocery had just hit its stride and, and was getting a lot of national attention and it had started to. And so, you know, I knew that if, in spite of it being a small town and a small restaurant, uh, what was happening there was, Mm -hmm. was special and that it, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. And then I know that I read the story, but maybe you can remind me, like, was it at a restaurant called Snack Bar that you started serving your own food? That was yes. Yeah, so that's that's where uh, I'm the chef now. So we opened John and I opened Snack Bar in 2009. Uh, okay. So uh, in April 2009, uh, basically we had been talking about doing you know a, a project together for a long time. Uh, you know, I've, we've been friends for 30 years, and you know, I, I'd spend my time, and I'd been back by that time. I'd been back. Uh, and been in the city grocery kitchen for, you know, uh, almost 10 years then. Uh, so it's like, you know, we and we both like this sort of the, the neighborhood bistro sort of a restaurant where, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's casual, but it's still very good. Uh, you can you can come in and, you know, have a dozen oysters and a glass of wine and leave. Or you can sit and have a nice three, four course meal if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, we both really enjoy restaurants like that, which are not white tablecloth, but have a level of service that's very polished and mm-hmm. and you know the food is uh, uh you know well well prepared but simple um, yeah i went to birmingham and, alabama not too long ago and ate at uh frank stitt's restaurant yes um, and it was just like that it was just very yeah. welcoming mm-hmm. and casual but delicious and beautifully yeah. plated so yeah I, 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 yeah that's my favorite kind of restaurant so that makes sense right? yeah yeah and so that's what i wanted to do and so uh so we opened snack bar and initially, you know, for the first six months or so snack bar was very much, uh, 
you know, that classic, you know, uh, French brasserie uh, menu, you know, but, but with Southern, you know, Southern uh, ingredients and, and, and Southern sensibilities. Um, and, you know, and I'm not exactly sure why the transition happened, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to me doing, uh, you know, the food that I started doing. I mean, I've always, you know, even when I worked at City Grocery, I would, you know, do specials uh, with, with, you know, some spices and, and such things and, um, you know, tweak things. Um, but this, I think the full blown, uh, you know, like I, this urge to cook the way I do now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I am not sure where it sort of sprung from. Uh, you know, I, I speculate my mother passed away in 2008 in November. Uh, mm-hmm. And so just as we were, you know, sort of talking about opening this new restaurant and working towards it, you know, uh, she passed away. So she never got to see me mm-hmm. you know, sort of have this place. Uh, and so that was maybe in the back of my mind. I mean, that's that's one uh, thing that I can think of that had impacted, you know. Uh, and I one day, I mean, somebody just brought a bunch of collards. Um, one of the farmers and there were just like so many collards and you know it's like you know what I'm just gonna cook them like my mom used to cook them uh, it, and it was not I don't know why I decided that on that particular day but it just I did mm-hmm. and they were a hit oh and great then all of a, yeah and then, then all, you know, all of a sudden it's like well I'm gonna try this with other things as well and you know and it's not by any means Indian food I don't know how to cook Indian food so Indian food I don't do know how to cook or maybe you know, six or seven recipes that I've, you know, I've grown up with uh, in, in Gujarat, you know, that are sort of standard staples. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, I, a lot of the recipes that are, you know, South Indian or, or North Indian recipes or even, you know, Bengali recipes, I, I don't know how to cook them because I've never lived, you know, I never lived in India to learn those. Mm-hmm. And there are not people around here who could teach me those. So what I do know, you know, about, about Indian food is, just a sort of a very small spectrum of stuff I grew up with. But it's so interesting that you mentioned your mother passing away being sort of the trigger that led you to do that, because I think what people can't teach in cooking school and what you can't really learn is how to cook emotionally or how to tap into yeah. an emotion, emotional place. And it feels very connected to me that the success that you've had and all leading to this book and the James Beard Award and all that mm-hmm. wonderful stuff came from this something deep inside inside you that wasn't just technically cooking. You were cooking from something human and emotional, which I think is really yeah. I mean, food cool. food has always been you know as I said. I mean, it's always been sort of central to everything that was fun for me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it food brings back you know eating and sharing food. Uh, inevitably for me is 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 a very joyous thing mm-hmm. uh, because it, it it reminds me of you know uh being young and being around friends and family and and just you know having that cacophony of, of voices around you that you know all all caring uh and and sort of nurturing and so mm-hmm. you know that's what i think of food right uh and so it helps you know so when i cook and i'm sharing food or, you know i I mean, the process of cooking for me is is intended uh, to be shared. I mean, it's it's it, it's more fun when it's shared. I mean, I, you know, I will I'll cook for myself occasionally, like just for one person, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, that's 
nothing you know really yeah. fancy i mean I'll, I'll i'll make a grilled cheese or something like that you yeah. know, and, and eat it you know uh, but if if i know that somebody wants to come over for dinner then that mentality completely changes and i want right. to you know do, I, I want to make uh as many dishes as i can and you know and spend mm -hmm. as much time doing them as i, as I can so it drives my wife crazy <laughs> <laughs> It's about feeding other, but yeah, in terms of your mother, um, inspiring your collards, I'm curious, like how did, what is that recipe? I mean, is it in the book? It is in the book. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. Uh, and, uh, I think it, it says sog style collards or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but was there a specific ingredient, uh, that you added to it that made it specific and unique that people responded to yeah i mean so asafoetida which is you know uh one of those one of, one of those things that is pretty prevalent in, in indian and, and well, south asian food mm -hmm. goes into seasoning uh and it, it's it starts off as sort of really foul smelling thing by itself but once right. it hits some warm uh oil or, or ghee it 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 just gets really fragrant and you know you don't miss it until you haven't you know but once you have had it uh cooked into something it, it's it's a flavor that stays with you you know mm. you remember it and you want it so uh Does it so have that's, like a that's garlicky like oniony yeah sort, of, sort yeah. of mild garlicky you know it's but you know it's sort of a sulfuric kind of really stinky by itself right. but then once it goes in it's just got that sort of you know really mild sort of um that alum uh, flavor profile that's, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, it permeates through, uh, you know, you don't need a lot, a lot of it. It's a pinch, but it, it does wonders. Yeah. And, you and then, you know, chilies and uh, cumin, cumin seeds. And cumin seeds. Yeah. yeah. So did, were you nervous to send this out into the dining room when you, when you did this? No, or... <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get nervous about sending my food uh, out to anybody i mean i i everything i cook uh i mean i'm always thinking that every time i write a menu for you know whatever i am writing it for things that i want to eat at that particular time i mean that's mm -hmm. where i draw my inspiration from it's like what do i feel like eating this week and then yeah. that's where a menu comes from uh so you know maybe 20 years ago i would have been nervous yeah. but you know after doing this for a while and you know having built up enough trust and friendship with folks in town, yeah. uh, uh, I wasn't nervous. And I knew, you know, because we have a relationship, because it's a small town and you have relationships because you see these folks who come in to eat, you'll see them at grocery store, you'll see them, you know, in your neighborhood or, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. And, and they will, you know, express their feelings about, <laughs> <laughs> about, about your food if they didn't like it or if they liked. So I knew that, you know, if they didn't like it, I was going to hear about it. Right. Uh, and, and so I wasn't, you know, and, and, and not hear about it in sort of a negative thing as a, but as a sort of like, Hey, I don't know what you're doing back there. We don't, you know, so, and was there so, a dish? Know. Yeah. Was there a dish that you sent out eventually that became like a, a dish you were known for or the one that people would come uh, to the, the okra, restaurant for? The okra chat uh, yeah. that's in the book. Uh, but okra chat, I think was sort of the, the, the dish that maybe put a snack bar, you know, on the radar for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Um, because I made that dish, uh, 
while folks were here for the Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium. And, you know, mm -hmm. as you know, that that brings uh, a crowd of, you know, some serious heavy hitters in, in the food world to town. And they're sort of, you know, they're here for four days and not many places to go eat besides, you know. <laughs> right. And so they, they come in and so it went out and, and there were folks that kind of go, hmm, you know, this is, Mm. This is a, this is a fun way to you know uh, do okra. We haven't we hadn't thought about that. And so yeah, uh, so and maybe, you, maybe that. Yeah, for people who don't know what chat is, can you explain what it is traditionally and then how you tweaked it? Uh, yeah, I mean, so chat is uh, essentially sort of a, a it's a snack, uh, mm -hmm. and it is a snack that could be made with anything, uh, including potato chips or you know crackers or you know uh, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. and then the elements there are you have to have something crunchy and mm -hmm. then you have something that's uh, spicy, uh, you know, a little, little bit of heat. And then you have something sort of tangy, sour, citrusy. Uh, and then you also have to have a little bit of sweet. Uh, and then you have some, you know, the fresh herb element of, of, you know, cilantro or mint and then something cooling like yogurt or, you know, and all that mixed together. So you get this bite that's a flavor bomb, you know? Mm. Uh, and so that's traditionally, you know, uh, and you have lots of varieties of, of chats and, and, and you can do chat, as I said, with almost anything, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with fruit, with, you know, uh, vegetables, sweet potatoes, you know, I mean, it, it's endless. Um, so, you know, fried okra is a thing here, right? I mean, we, mm -hmm. we eat fried okra. Um, I'm like, well, what if we just, took that crispy fried okra and sort of added this elements of chaat. And so it started with, you know, adding the kind of chilies and onion. And then like it because okra is here in the summer. And we also had a lot of really pretty cherry tomatoes. Like, well, we'll throw some tomatoes in for some mm. pop. And then, you know, uh, I didn't want to make a chutney because then that would, I thought maybe make it too heavy. And, you know, I still want to taste the okra. So I just went with lime juice. Uh, and then we're like, okay, well, it needs something sweet. And, and uh, you know, sorghum seemed to be, you know, like, well, I mean, it, it's kind of that, you know, a funky sweetness that it needs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it just, you know, I, I stayed with those and then some chopped peanuts at the end to kind of just add that that crunch and, again, sort of keep it all Southern. Uh, I, lo I love it, your, it, yeah. I was sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and so, it, and it seemed to work and, you know, it's it's the one dish that people started asking about, uh, mm -hmm. you know, about April. Like, hey, when's the okra chart coming back? Yeah. And you know, I had to tell them that it won't be until you know, uh, late July, early August when the okra starts rolling in. And, and it's only you know, it's I mean, once the okra starts rolling in in Oxford, we have it till about, uh, you know, almost end of October. So you know, we we keep that chart on for, you know, August, September, October, and then you know, November rolls around and it's gone. You're making me so hungry right now. I'm going to like literally <laughs> copy down these ingredients and see if I can find it. I mean, okra is an interesting ingredient because it's commonly like misunderstood or I think people have an aversion. To, they think they have an aversion to it. Um, right. So people think it's slimy, but it's, it's something that I feel like a lot of chefs love to cook with. Um, mm -hmm. And and you wrote in the book, if I remember correctly, that you thought it was an Indian ingredient, but it turns yes. out it was from Africa. Is that Africa, right? Africa, yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, I, you know, and, and again, I mean, I was... You know, I'm ashamed to say that I was like 30 some years old and I, you know, with this belief and, you know, strong belief that okra came from India because, you know, I, I had grown up with it. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, 
you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, okra must have come along, you know, when other stuff, you know, moved west. I mean, that must have come, you know, it's like, like, like and I knew that tomatoes and potatoes had gone east. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, but I knew eggplant had come this way. So, you know, it's like, well, okra must have come when the eggplant came, you know, it, got, it has to, right? And then, you know, people told me, oh, they eat eggplant in Africa. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of in the middle. So it kind of made its way there too, you know. <laughs> Little did I know that it actually originated there and then, you know, moved uh, east and west out of Africa, like a lot mm-hmm. of other things. Um, and, you know, it, it, it took, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it took an argument with a Senegalese friend of mine to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to set me straight. But, you know, now I know. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's my favorite vegetable, so. Well, it's so interesting too because it's it's tied to history, it's tied to the slave trade, mm-hmm. it's tied to the South, yeah. but it's also yeah. tied to your own history of growing up eating mm-hmm. okra in India. So it's yeah. it's it's got so many layers to it, the meaning of it, yeah. and and yeah. I, I find that fa- I think that's what makes your book so great is that there's nothing in here that's like a standard, just basic recipe that you would find you know anywhere. It's like they all have rich stories and rich histories, and um, that's what, that's what yeah, I'm I mean. So I tried. About. I mean, I you know the. the yeah, uh, I, I I really wanted to, you know, sort of tell my story, but also tell a story of you know how how food is it is not you know because we get a we're you know getting a lot of sort of this noise right now from from folks from you know that that cook or write about food about you know what is authentic and right. what, you know uh, you know who usurped whose food and all this and it's like but food's always been transient i mean it doesn't belong to you know it's meant to be shared i mean you know yes if you have a recipe that you lift from somebody you should you should give them credit i mean i, I get that part but you can't i don't own the ingredients i don't you know uh, mm-hmm. they should be for everybody i mean you know it's uh and and everybody should be able to you know cook whatever they want uh, mm-hmm. as long as you know they are recognizing and and you know uh, saying that hey i was influenced by by so and so but i mean you know it's just some of these arguments people are having right now are just a little little ridiculous well it's interesting because i i'm mostly used to hearing about it like in terms of appropriation from like indian culture and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. i'm curious like being in the south were there any angry southerners who felt like you were adulterating classic southern dishes no no because they don't see these as classic southern dishes right so that's the thing and and the appropriation, you know, part is also kind of one of those one of those things is like, look, you know, yes, you, we have that problem, right? I mean, uh, and I'm going to use, you know, Nigel Lawson, who's a, who's a sweetheart and a wonderful person. Uh, the problem is not with the people doing it. The problem is with, you know, the food media. Uh, if they want to write about an Indian dish, would rather go ask her. Then ask somebody like me or Mehrwani Rani or Chidi or Manit or, you know, any number of other uh, Indian people mm-hmm. uh, because they know they want to sell copy and that name will sell copies. And so they're doing a disservice to her. I mean, and of course, you know, she's going to like, I, of course, I'll write this recipe because I'm going to get paid for it. Uh, right. So, you know, now would, would, would it be nice if she said, hey, you know, you probably should ask uh, an Indian chef to write this recipe. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. so in, in, in that case, you know, I've, I've followed people that uh, will, will go and do stuff, but I know, uh, you know, now, you know, with, with having a 
occasionally being asked to, to write a recipe for something. Um, either I'm asked to write only Indian recipes mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you, you were asking the wrong person. I don't really, I mean, I can talk about this ingredient and yes, I could probably come up with a recipe. Uh, or, uh, you know, you're, you're completely just ignored, right? Okay, mm-hmm. what 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 do people like me have to do? Who you know, who have been successful? You know, we we clearly know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, you know, you could ask me for my take on gumbo, and I will give you a really nice recipe. Right, but it doesn't. That doesn't seem to happen, though. But but the the, the reverse, you know, asking somebody else who, you know. Again, would be a very good cook for being asking them to con- contribute a recipe that that uh, borrows from my culture is is very prevalent. Uh, I and, see what so you're that, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's that, about whose 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 voices get amplified uh, and that's get the, the spotlight. Issue. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's yeah, that's that a bigger sense. issue than than the appropriation issue, you know, to mm-hmm. me, because you know it's it's. Unless, unless people are given a chance to tell their stories, you know, and, and I've been very fortunate in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people aren't. And so that's where the, the frustration comes from. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it makes me very happy to have you on my podcast. I'm glad, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> glad to have you here. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, we're almost done. This really flew by. Uh, and oh. so I'm just curious as we're, as we're ending up, are there any recipes in this book that are like the, the ones that you are proudest of or the ones that you would encourage people to make first? Ooh, you know, I mean, right now it's summertime. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would hit that okra chapter first. Okay. Uh, and the tomato chapter, right? Because I mean, they're right now you, it's the perfect season for those. Yeah. So I think start, start there. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, and, and then, then go with, you know, whatever accompaniments you want. We, you know, we also have a really nice sort of, uh, uh, in the back of suggestions for not, like what recipes would work for some kind of a meal, right? So mm-hmm. something that work, will work for a brunch or something for a light lunch or something like that. So you can look at that and then decide, uh, you know, what you want to serve with the okra and the tomatoes. Well, I have to just say that this cornbread recipe, I didn't say this earlier, and no. I know it's not your recipe. You say in the head note, it's mm-hmm. a friend's recipe. Yeah. This is one of the most gorgeous, enticing, like beautiful pictures of a cornbread I've ever seen. And then when yes. I read the ingredients, it has chilies, it has um, cu- uh, curry leaves, it has um, serranos, coconut, buttermilk. I mean, it Ooh. just looks like the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. So I want to make it. It is. <laughs> you should make it. And, and you know, uh, I, I lifted that recipe from my, my buddy Farhan Momin, uh, and, you know, I told him that I was going to do it, but, you know, he, I don't think he believed me, and now he <laughs> probably will. So, uh, but also, you know, Angie Mosier, who took the photographs, is, I mean, she's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, there, there are very few people uh, like Angie who, who see food uh, the way she does and appreciates it the way she does. So that, it, it was a lot of fun working with her. Uh, and having her photograph the food. The only reason I'm not going to make this is that my partner is out of town for the next couple of months. And if I make this at home alone, I will eat the whole thing by myself. So I can't do that. You've got neighbors. 
<laughs> I do have neighbors. Well, I didn't ask you this, and this is maybe the final question, but it's a big question. So maybe we can circle back to where we started, which is mm -hmm. the title of the book, which is I am mm -hmm. from here. And for mm -hmm. those who haven't read the introduction, can you just tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about the title and what made you choose that mm -hmm. as your title? Oh, you know, several things. I mean, you know, but but I think the main thing is uh, when, when we run into folks, you know, who, who are immigrants uh, that don't fit our uh norm of what an American should look like. The question generally asked is, you know, where are you from? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my answer is always, I'm from Oxford, Mississippi, which is immediately then followed by, no, no, where are you really from? Mm. You know, and that's like, you know, and that's a, I mean, I, I understand where the question comes from, but I don't understand like how long do, do folks, I mean, my, my parents are Americans, uh, my sister and I, are Americans. My nephew is, you know, American. So there are three generations, you know, of this immediate family who are Americans. Uh, mm -hmm. Would we be asking a third generation immigrant from from Germany, where are you from? And then right. where are you really from? Uh, and the answer is no, we don't, you know, but we, we will, you know, whether whether it's it's you know uh, the Chinese immigrants or whether it's Indians or whether it's uh, uh, you know folks from the Middle East, we we can't seem to shake this notion that we are from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. No matter how long we stay here and how much we contribute, uh, and so this idea that hey you know I I live here in this community I I'm a I contribute to this community. This is where I've made my home. Uh, mm -hmm. This is, you know, where I want to be. I chose to be here. And therefore, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, plant my flag and, and stake my claim and say I'm from here. You know? I love that. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think that's truly in the spirit of what America is trying it's, to it's be supposed to be right. yeah that's what it's supposed to be i mean right. we're struggling a bit right now but right uh, but i think that your book is a perfect testament to like the the best th the best parts of america and what makes it great well, so thank you yeah yeah i mean it's yeah it's a lot of, i mean it's a fun place right i mean we all have every, everybody in the world has its issues and you know uh america has certainly has issues we just we're just not very good at admitting that we have issues and mm -hmm. so the sooner we learn to do that you know, the better will become. Absolutely. Well, I think your cookbook is going to help people. So, um, and help, uh, with everything. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm going to run to the store now and start buying ingredients. Please and, do. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have any trouble finding stuff, let me know because this, this book was written with the explicit purpose of, you know, say I can buy about 99% of those ingredients in that book in Oxford, Mississippi. And so, you know, my challenge was like, if you live in, in New York, if you live in, a big city uh, yeah. you should be able to find the, everything within you know within a few blocks of where you live oh yeah well i'm in california so i'm a little spoiled so even, but... even better yeah yeah i think i'll be okay yeah. well again thanks so much and good luck with the book and uh have a great thank rest you of your day much. yeah you too thank you very much for having me on it was great thank you all right, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. If you don't already, please be sure to subscribe to my newsletter, amateurgourmet.substack.com, and give me a follow on all forms of social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok as Amateur Gourmet. All right, I'll see you back here next week. Have a good one.